0: Hello and welcome back to Under One Roof, I'm Dr Tom Simcock your host. For those new to the podcast, Under One Roof explores the connections between our housing and our health, from how our pets can make a house a home to how the conditions of properties affect our health. As part of our Festival of Social Sciences special edition season, today we're delving into a topic of profound importance, the housing experiences of refugees. Migration has been prominent in global discussions and we're here to explore the complex housing challenges faced by those seeking safety and sanctuary. In this episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Santok Gill, a senior lecturer at the University of Huddersfield. We'll be examining the challenges faced and the potential solutions in sport that can help transform lives. So let's embark on this journey and explore this crucial topic. Santok, great to have you here with us today. Um, Would you be able to introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, tell us about your background and your work?
1: Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me on uh, today. Uh, It's great to be a part of this. Um, So just to introduce myself, I'm a sociologist, uh, as you've mentioned, uh, University of Huddersfield. Now, for over over about 20 years now, I've focused my work very much on um, issues around race, migration uh, and ethnicity, particularly in the British context. And that's been the focus of my, my teaching and my research over that period of time. And over that period of time, I've, I've done a number of projects that have looked at a number of concerns around issues of migration, around issues of my co- cohesion and integration. integration, looking at faith groups, looking at young people, looking at different communities in different locations, uh, as well as looking at organisations that work with community groups to make people's lives better. Currently, um, I'm a part of a research project looking at the housing experiences of refugees, uh, particularly focusing on uh, Yorkshire and Humber, but not exclusively on that. And we've been looking at those experiences of housing over the last thirty years, like I say, from those different groups, either those that have come through the asylum route or that have come through other uh, government initiatives and projects out there.
0: Thank you, Santok. And just delving deeper into the connection with housing in your work, uh, what sort of has uh, motivated you get for you to get involved in this area?
1: Well, I'm I'm passionate about this issue, you know. Um, I'm from a minority community myself. You know, my father was a migrant to England. And those issues of discrimination, of 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 integration, of of belonging have been a feature of my life as well. And that that idea of belonging is really important when we start thinking about housing. You know, and, and it's central to the experiences of refugees because housing in very much, and when we're talking about housing, we're not just talking about a home, we're talking about a community, we're talking about a neighbourhood, we're talking about an area, links in with a whole range of different things, you know, it links with being apart and connecting to a community, it links with issues around integration and, and 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 it links in with those different groups you know we're, we're living in a multicultural society those different groups coming together so it's the key thing is about integration that's what makes britain rich that's what makes us special that multiculturalism and housing and homes are central to that because we don't want to be living in areas that isolate people you know you want to be able to have those opportunities to mix to learn from each other so in terms of community that's really important that in terms of where you live the way in which you can and 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 then it's where you live also ties in with things like where you can get a job it ties in with employment it ties in with the opportunities available in those areas and this has always historically had a link with Migrant communities who have often lived in areas that are deprived uh, as well. Housing then also links in with, and your home links in with your health and well-being, and that's centrally important. Also, you know, if you are, you know, connected to community, connected to house, and you have that, you know, positive home environment, it has a positive effect as well on your health and well-being. And then the housing also that it's it's all tied to those other things like um education opportunities and 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 when we look at issues of race of ethnicity and migration that, that, that i've focused on opportunities and having them there are centrally important um and and hence housing is, is one of those key cornerstones um, for gaining and having opportunities for making and having a wholesome life and, and and being able to give something to society as well.
0: Thank you, Sam and I think, you know, what you're saying there's really interesting. And I think, you know, around that found housing as a foundation for opportunity. Mm. I think that's a, a core thread through uh, what you were discussing there. Mm. And, you know, as I think a lot of our listeners will be aware, migration is featured heavily in the news Quite recently, and is quite a div- divisive topic as well. Yeah. so yeah. uh, Would you be able to uh, provide all this a brief introduction uh, to our listeners to some of those key concepts and debates?
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And 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 again, it goes back to those those issues I talked about. You know, I I'm a sociologist, and you know, I'm also uh, you know a member of a minority ethnic community, and that that. Means that I'm a part of this process where of 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 communities that have come to to Britain because of our colonial relationship, and we're also part of this these communities that have since, particularly the post-war period, been seen as a problem. You know, we're over here because you were over there. You know, that's something that's really important to to remember. There is a relationship why migration happens. But the the the, the decisiveness and the way in which the debates and discussion of migration is 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 problematic because it problematizes communities that come here. They are seen as a problem, and this is some often racialized. And when I talk about race, I don't mean just um, here about pigmentation, because sometimes it's about uh, or skin colour. It can also be about clothing, about other forms of cultural difference that become picked out and be being seen as a threat. So what we start seeing is that migration becomes an issue that that migrant communities become othered. And this is the, the way in which they are seen as those that don't belong, those that might be a threat to the harmony of a community for whatever reason, you know, rather than all the positives we bring from that kind of uh, bringing people together bringing ideas and, and 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 cultures and practices and and beliefs together rather than that is seen as a problem you know and that has been going on from the post war period and and it, it 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 means that often as 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 communities as as individuals become very become dehumanized and one of the things with the rhetoric out there particularly the narrative around refugees and the words being used language is really really important here because what 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 we see is the way in which language becomes politicized and it starts creating divisions in society and in communities and 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 that's something that's really them you know let if we just think about the brexit vote you know the language used in that led to a spike in hate crimes you know it impacted on communities you know it had a real effect you know, and that's been going on in the, since the post-war period. And refugees currently are that group that are targeted in that. And, you know, and the language means that people then start creating these kind of boundaries of them and us, you know. Rather than seeing us all a part of humanity, we become the other. The other ones that are going to threat our culture, impact, take our jobs away. And And that's the other thing, you know, it's... When there is economic problems, economic bust, that you know, we have less, less resources. There's a retrench, entrenchment of the state, less services out there. But rather than kind of investing in state intervention on stuff, people begin to blame those that are new, those that are different. And that's another process, aspect of other, othering here. And they become scapegoats. and And migrants are those that are in society, our scapegoat, because they're our lower at the lower end of the social ladder and they become the targets then. And then that means, but but they're living in areas and environments where there is already deprivation, you know, uh, and that scarceness in, of resources means people start saying the narratives becomes about taking our jobs, taking our homes, which is extremely problematic because there's a whole range of economic and policy-led initiatives that have led to the lack of resources there, not the group that have come in to try to improve their lives or escape persecution. Um, So, you know, language is centrally important there, and we really need to have, do something to kind of stop the othering, stop the dehumanization there, and kind of really kind of Think critically of where that's going and how that's leaving those that are often most vulnerable in society.
0: I mean that that's sort of very, I think, important um, uh, points that you've raised there around you know mm. the language used and the different social and political choices that are made. And I think one of the things that we want to discuss is around some of those policy choices that can affect um the housing experiences of refugees Uh, especially i think in your work you identify a core issue being the 28 day uh, move on as a Mm -hmm. sort of a key housing challenge Mm -hmm. would you be able to explain i mean firstly what the 28 day move on is and what the challenges are surrounding
1: this yeah sure tom um i mean one of those issues um and and it goes on from what I've talked about before around issues about language and expression is that we we often talk about and think about those people seeking asylum as almost not being genuine. Yeah. And then there is a whole kind of range of kind of procedures that go on before those people that are are asylum seekers become refugees. And the majority of the cases, we find that those that are seeking asylum that have to make their client claim for seeking asylum are seen as having legitimate reasons to gain that um, leave leave to remain in Britain as, um, That that's really important and once that happens they have 28 days from, from moving on there from the ha- asylum accommodation where they have support to moving into independent accommodation this then leads to this is a very short period of time now we're talking about this 28 day period where they've got to, from, from the time they get their biometric permits to say that they, uh, which allows them to kind of claim a universal credit that allows them to kind of gain particularly housing from that point. And it's a very short period of time, particularly when there is already a, a very competitive housing market out there. Uh, and what we find is that they literally have to Turn up at their local authorities and say and declare themselves as homeless, and that what what that's leading to is an, a number of families of individuals that are having to move into temporary accommodation because there just isn't the social housing available or um, the, the possibly private rented uh, private rented Housing available at that time, so they have to go into these co- emergency accommodations, uh, temporary emergency accommodations, and it could be hotels, it could be hostels, it could be in a number of different places, and 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 that then puts those people that are already vulnerable that might not know uh, the system. Then very often the system not very well don't have may not have very good grasp of English, uh, you know. Um, literally having to negotiate this whole process and they may have you know a, a family of with young children with young children or they may have d- needs in terms of disabilities but because they have to move into they, 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 because they are homeless they have to move into temporary accommodation it puts already vulnerable people in more vulnerable situation until a more appropriate form of housing is made available and this can take quite a period of time so again it, it can prolong the whole process of 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 you know people waiting and they've already been you know been through a whole process of waiting to see if they can stay then may have it having a positive decision and then having to wait until they can start those things i talked about earlier on of connecting of belonging of integrating or finding a job so it prolongs that whole period and and, like I said, if they've got young children, it then means sorting out where they go to school, it then means sorting out um how they can kind of care have care provisions in place, and it's so it's a very difficult period of time and our research is, as as has found a number of people talking about the that period of time being a real nightmare. you know, it was hard enough going through the process before, but then that whole Nightmare began. People actually describe it as a nightmare. You know, that's where they kind of, you know, were moving from property to property or, or accommodation to accommodation, or that they, they had the worst. They were they were they were staying with young children with where there were people with substance misuse right there, or or in areas where there was antisocial behaviour, which made it very difficult, very difficult indeed. And
0: as you were just uh, discussing you know that sort of nightmare situation mm. of the twenty day day move on. um you touched about on um universal credit mm. and um in particular around uh, the issues around welfare reform as well i'm I'm thinking of um, how have these issues around welfare reform and universal credit affected the housing journeys of refugees?
1: Well, what we what we're finding is that there's a shortage, and the essence of it is there's a shortage of good quality, affordable housing. That's the essence of it, you know, which makes it all difficult. And there is, in terms of the universal credit, there's only a certain there's only a certain amount that people can get in terms of the housing aspect of it to pay for rent. The difficulty is the amount of good quality properties that are available in that are 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 are, are you know are quite scarce so there is i I mean i mentioned the scarceness of resources before that is one of those areas but the problem is that that people are finding themselves then in poor quality housing because of the amount they can afford that's made available with universal credit and then it leaves leads you into the hands of you know market systems really because landlords letting agents they want the best kind of price they can do for for the houses that they've got you know what they want as much as they can you know not all but there's certain some that that do and in that context that we're just finding that universal credit isn't enough and then it isn't also something that landlords that they themselves want so we often find one of the things we find is almost a form of Discrimination and, and stigma attached to those people uh, on universal credit, where well, landlords and letting agents will just not um, want to give their let, rent their properties to those people on there. Those that have recently received refugee status are at that, you know, at that end. So they haven't been allowed to work. So they're looking for employment. They are having to depend on welfare. And and having to do that, they then are again in that bracket of people that are that that renters don't necessarily want to rent to. They're not the ones that people are, are desired. And this is also in a landscape, in the in, in in a period of political context where we what we talk about as being the hostile environment. And 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 this was a kind of level of initiatives and policies that went out to kind of made it that 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 was supposed to make it uh an unwelcoming s- uh space for those that migrated illegally, but it's impacting on all many migrant groups. It's impacting disproportionately on ethnic minorities. And in particular, one of the 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 the, the key elements of that is the, the right to rent. And this is where a person has to prove that they Have a right to rent and they've got proved that that they've got right to live in the uk and this makes it quite difficult because landlords ask for that so already there's issues about universal credit and how much money they get to pay for rent then they've also got to have uh proved that they have a right to live and and they do have a right to live in the uk but it kind of creates a bit of a kind of uh concern with landlords and letting agents and then they we find that there's then a form of discrimination that's taking place where people are sort of saying well have you got a british passport and they may not have a british passport because they've they've got a right to. i mean i didn't have a british passport for a long long time not everybody has a british passport but it makes them nervous and people then may discriminate and that is the, the impact and that is a part of those kind of hostile environment initiatives and policy policy that's driven by that initiative that has made it difficult uh, for those uh, refugee status, but also other minority ethnic groups as well, to get suitable rental properties out there.
0: Thanks, so I'm talking, I think that's, you know, as you're saying, the a really a core point, and you're know, you saying about universal credit as, you know, that element of stigma and then uh, with private landlords but then there's also that you know the as, as you're saying you know the what's i think passed in past been called a no dss you know clauses or provisions in advertising but then there's also the right to rent which adds that additional layer of uh you know issues that can affect landlords and letting agents uh, judgment into whether to rent that person or not and uh one of your um, Core themes through, I mean, this discussion as well, but your work has been on the lack of affordable housing, specifically social housing. You know, this has meant a greater reliance on the private renter sector, not just for refugees, but individuals across society. Um, how has this sort of reliance on the private renter sector affected the housing experiences of refugees?
1: I, I mean, in our, in our research, it's, it's been pretty evident in terms of, you know, those, that many of the difficulties in terms of the, the, the barriers to opportunities that refugees have experienced have been because of the, the, having to rely on a range of different factors. And one of those, you know, uh, uh, having a range of different factors play against them. One of those is having to have sometimes rent, you know poor quality housing you know there's there's been ongoing in terms of the people we spoke to they talked about you know that you know the overcrowding in, in in rooms the the issues around damp and, and and things around ventilation it's the poor quality of housing that, um, itself the the other thing has been in terms of the location of the housing sometimes it can be areas that are, are already deprived like we've mentioned that that issue of no d d d s s that's something that they really you know m- many of them talked about that 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 they did not they could not believe that people could actually have that written down on something or or say that and 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 do that so it has it it kind of has been a barrier in in for people to kind of get that fresh start because you know getting status was meant to be a fresh start so housing and having to rely on um private rented sector which and, and, and the lower end of the private rented sector ha- has, has inhibited the opportunities for, for, for refugees to kind of get on to get onto the ladder you know of social mobility and, and when I, I use the word refugees um, it, it's really important not to homogenize that because that is a group a diverse group of individuals with different skills language skills qualifications um experiences that nations faiths is uh, and 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 they belong to a range of different communities so and 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 that also is important and part of it is sometimes it's those things can also work against them so they all work positively if they are moving to an area where there's others from a Muslim community living there, it could be quite positive for them, but they, and, and it can help the integration, but it, but that, that has also been a factor that's played a role in kind of uh, inhibiting opportunities again.
0: Thank you, Santok. And I think if we move on and look forward and uh, think about what could be done, what do you believe could be done on a broader scale? to affect meaningful change for, for these different groups of refugees.
1: There's a number of things that, that can that can happen and, and 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 some of it's um if I go back to language it is about changing the narrative. Let's let's think about that. If there wasn't such a a polarization by politicians or media to kind of create um, a level of hostility that would really help as, as migrants, migration brings great opportunities. It brings with it such positives to communities, to society, in terms of arts, sciences, literature. That there's a lot of positives that come out of migration uh, and, and out of integration. Um, so just change that narrative to focus on the positives, be a star, that would be good. And then I think there's other reforms that are needed. In terms of policy, we really need to think about how much universal credit people get in terms of the rental element of it so that they can can actually move into have housing that is of good quality. So there is that kind of element of kind of finding ways in which that or whether it's in terms of discretion of just allowing people to have that, that stepping stone of that good quality property, where they can, where they, where it's affordable in terms of universal credit. So just that top up that could help to kind of get those that financial starting point going. And again, that'll have a real positive. On another level, it's just a real positive would be proving communication and understanding and and and, and knowing about rights. So if landlords just had that information, if people could act as maybe guarantors or, or or just give that reassurance that, okay, this person does have the right to lay, live in the UK. Maybe that that kind of nervousness by landlords and letting agencies would be, uh, would help support that for those first steps. And, and that's that's really important. So, and I think that part of that, again, it can be an easy thing. It can just be some form of communication or people acting as guarantors or just having that reassurance so I think what could happen is that there could be some mechanism whether it's in local authorities or where just introduce some form of trust and I think that that would help and and, and again in many ways that this this is the problem that in in reality what that right to rent was meant to do it which was linked with illegal migration it hasn't really impacted on that group it's 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 impacted those people that have actually have a, a, a right to live in Britain, to and minorities because of discrimination about fears. So we need to, again, these are all tied. That whole idea of hostile environment needs to shift as well, because it's impacting on groups and people, um, and, 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 stopping them making the most out of society as well. Thank you,
0: Santok. And
1: I think you know, that's
0: really important around changing the language, I think and around the host, you know changing the narrative around the hostile environment and the impact it has on those different groups. Um for our listeners who want to learn more about your work and the projects you're involved in, uh, can we can you share how individuals can get more information?
1: Yeah, we'd really like you to kind of uh, really like to kind of explore some of the work we've been doing. I mean, we've been involved in an iDoc, we've been involved in the a, a, a writing of a a, a comic as well as reports and academic papers. So you can find information uh, about the projects we're, we've been involved in and the outputs from our website.
0: And you, you just mentioned, you know, around those um, more innovative and sort of creative outputs that have been designed to sort of get the word out about the research. You know, you mentioned the IDOC and the COMIC. Mm. Could you explain what these outputs are and why these are particularly important?
1: Yes, of course, Tom. I mean, one of the things that, as a, as somebody who's worked in academia for uh, around two decades now, is that we often find that there are academic papers written, or there are reports that go to practitioners, or 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 they go to an academic audience, and that seems to be it sometimes. What you want to do and what really needs to do, particularly in the issues of where we need to shift the narrative, where we need the people to trust, the people to kind of really understand what it actually means, what to be a refugee, to understand lived experiences. Um, we thought of creative ways of doing that, one of which was an IDOC, and one of the best ways to really get an insight to people's lived experience, is to have them talk and we can't have people just walking around talking every day. So our our documentary, iDoc, which is an interactive room which you can access from using um, a, a computer, allows you to kind of go into different rooms, different parts of their house and listen to what they feel and their housing experiences have been insight into their everyday experiences It allows us to have an insight into their thoughts and feelings around things like um, employment, around having families about and and other aspects of their everyday, which we only know if we kind of listen to their stories. And the, the iDoc allows that. The comic, in a way, allows us to kind of tell a story you know, tell a typical story of, of refugees, but do it in a way that's more accessible, that doesn't use the language that reports or um, or um, academic papers would have, but then means that other people, from people like people, young people at schools, young people uh, involved in, uh, in colleges um, can also, get some insight of those experiences the comic was based very much on a number of different stories uh the characters were uh, of course uh made up but the, the stories it tells is based on real experiences of people we spoke to uh so again it's about capturing those voices and and and, and, and allowing a platform for them to be heard
0: thank you samsock and um you know it's really interesting and you know I've got a copy of the comic as well here and uh, it's yeah really really uh, a fascinating output and uh yeah so thank you for uh being on the podcast you know I think we've uh learned a lot about you know different concepts and uh the different issues as well from the hostile environment to othering to welfare reform, the reliance on the private sector so you know I think We've covered a a huge amount of topics in such a short uh, space of time as well. Uh, So uh, thank you for uh, being here as a guest as well.
1: Um, And thank you, Tom. Thank you.
0: And that brings us to the end of this episode on the housing experiences of refugees. As we close this episode, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Santok Gill, his expertise and passion for this topic have generally enriched our understanding. In our next episode, we'll delve into another crucial topic, bereavement, relationships and home. In this episode, we'll be chatting to Dr. Julie Ellis, and I'm sure this is going to be a fascinating episode. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode as we continue our exploration of housing challenges and the lifelong being of diverse communities. It's all part of our special edition for the ESRC Festival of Social Sciences. We value your feedback and insights, so please take a moment to complete the short survey provided in the episode description. Your input helps us to shape future discussions and ensures we're addressing topics that matter to you. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode. Until then, take care, stay curious, and keep exploring the profound connections between housing and wellbeing with us on Under One Roof. This publication has been produced with the financial support of the European Union Asylum, Migration and Integration Fund. The contents of this publication are the sole responsibility of the University of Huddersfield, and in no way reflect the views of the funder, the European Commission or the United Kingdom Responsible Authority. Neither the European Commission nor the United Kingdom Responsible Authority is liable for any use that may be made of the information in this publication.